You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, here on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Randy Sutton, 34-year police veteran, the founder of The Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. This is uh, going to be just you and me. I'm not having any guests today because I have a lot to say as we close out 2020 and enter the new year. So let's get right to it. We're going to the briefing room, give you my view from the blue. All right, I've been giving it a lot of thought. And here's what I want to say to America. Hey, America. It's time to man up. Now, I know that that's probably not a politically correct term any longer, but you know what it means. It's time to man the hell up. Stop with all this insane, politically correct, woke nonsense that is just permeating this country. I am so sick of it. I'm so sick of hearing people say they got triggered because they saw a police car or they saw a thin blue line flag or or they got triggered because they were insulted because they didn't like the way somebody talked to them. It's, listen, listen, listen. Nobody told you life was going to be easy, okay? And it's tough enough when you don't make up stuff to be insulted about or to be triggered about. Who made up that word? Who made up that word triggered? You know, there are people who really are triggered. I'm going to, let me tell you about a man that I met. And, 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 and he, talk about somebody who, who deserves to use the word triggered, okay? My organization, The Wounded Blue, and it's the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Officers, a man reached out to me. This this man is uh, his name is Joe Fuller, and he was a South Carolina narcotics detective. He was hired uh, to investigate uh, narcotics activity in a small county and, and community in South Carolina. This is in 1988. Okay, so we're talking a long time ago, but his story is is just uh, so disturbing, and it reaches right into the present day. So Joe is working without backup, and he has information on some very significant drug dealers, Uh, but literally he's left to his own devices to figure out how to investigate them. So it's a small community, as I said, and... um, and it turned out that the, that the dope dealers knew more about him than he knew about the dope dealers. And like I said, we're talking about significant weight dope dealers here. Well, one day he's on a surveillance in a, in a field watching the, the main guy's uh, house and doesn't know that he is under surveillance while he is conducting a surveillance. And next thing you know, he is attacked by a couple of real bad guys. He can't get to his gun in time. They beat him. 
They torture him. They, they do unspeakable things to him. And one of the, the things while they are, while they are, are torturing him, they're, they're blowing smoke in his face, cigarette smoke. And, and when I, when I hear that word triggered, he, he told me as he's recounting this horrible, horrible tale that now every time he smells cigarette smoke, even 30 years later, it brings back the trauma of that, of that horrible event. They beat him so badly that, um, that he was, he's between the mental and the physical trauma has been disabled for all of these years unable to hold a job. He lost everything. He lost uh, his ability to earn. Um, luckily, he was married and, and his wife uh, was able to earn some money, but they have lived a life of desperation financially for years. Well, what did his agency do to help? Um, they fired him, or shall we say, they didn't rehire him after the uh, grant that he had been hired under um, um, was was uh, abandoned. So he's left to live and to try and um, make ends meet and try and, and get healthy physically and mentally all by himself. Um, so I heard about his plight. And on, on Christmas, um, my team members from the Wounded Blue and I went down to South Carolina and met Joe and um, made, made a Christmas happen for he and his family. And part of that is that uh, we are going to help rehabilitate his house. Um, he's been living in this house for years and years, decades, but has not had the money to repair it. And so um, about a month ago, because of the disrepair, he fell and he broke his neck. And we need to, we need to work together to make a safe and comfortable living environment for this man who has sacrificed so much. So the Wounded Blue is going to do that. We gave... We made Christmas happen in, in a couple different ways. One is we, we made sure that they had a, a Christmas feast. Um, we filled their, their home with, uh, with groceries and, and everything that would, they needed to make a Christmas happen. We gave them um, enough money to, to buy gifts for their children and, and for each other. And, uh, and you should have seen the look on their faces, the whole family, uh, Joe and his wife and his two daughters, um, it was amazing. It was amazing. Well, it's going to be a significant amount of money to fix this house. And we've hired a contractor and some of my team members and I are going to, are going to do as much labor as we can. You know, remember my whole team is made up of, of disabled officers of, you know, many physical limitations, but we're going to do it. And you know what? I'd like your help. I'd like you to help the wounded blue make this happen for this man who gave so much of himself. Um, if you want to help, you can contact me at randy at thewoundedblue.org or 
just go to the website, thewoundedblue.org, and look at the donate button and punch that little button and send what you can. If you'd rather send a check, you can do that too. I'll give you the address. Just email me, randy at thewoundedblue.org, or you can just check out the website. But this is this is the time of year when we when we need to show the most compassion and the most empathy, the most love for everybody. And sometimes, you know, somebody that that has sacrificed so much as a law enforcement officer and um, been treated so shabbily and so badly and 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 had his life turned upside down. Um, and believe me, there's thousands of those men and women across the country. And the Wounded Blue wants to do all they can to help those men and women. You can help. You can be part of this. You can be part of something very, very special and become part of the Wounded Blue. Thewoundedblue.org. Read about the organization. Contact me personally, Randy, at thewoundedblue.org if you want to talk about how you can make a, a donation or how you can get involved. And um, to Joe Fuller and his family, um, as we enter 2021, we at the Wounded Blue know of your sacrifice. Um, our motto, never forgotten, never alone, could not be more important with you. Uh, you have not been forgotten. Your Wounded Blue family still exists, and we are them. Thewoundedblue.org. So that's it for my for my uh, introduction to this end of the year show. Now we're going to get into what's happening. Oh boy! And you know, I. I really fully believe that 2021 for law enforcement not only is not going to get better, it's going to get worse. I, I'm so saddened to have to say that, but it's, it's the unfortunate reality is my belief. Because, well, let's look at, let's just look at 2020, the insanity of this year. I don't even, I'm not even going to talk about COVID for the moment. Well, all right, let's talk a little bit about COVID because it had such a, a, a drastic effect on the lives of so many and, and including law enforcement. I mean, the death toll, as uh, you'll find out later in End of Watch, um, has been devastating for America and for law enforcement officers across the country. Now, that the 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 covid insanity is 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 more pervasive though when i discuss the law enforcement issues because who has been placed in the middle of enforcing covid related edicts that have been handed down or i should say hammered down by governors like Cuomo and and Gavin Newsom and many of these other governors and mayors across America who have who have in essence destroyed their own economies by their draconian tactics and, and edicts um, controlling 
the movement and the livelihoods of the people that they serve. Who's right in the middle of it? It's the police that are right in the middle of it. You know, laws are made by legislators. That's the way our system works here. And for some reason, it seems to have been abandoned in, in light of the pandemic, the fear of the pandemic. The civil rights of people has been upended and, and, and draconian edicts like uh, the mask edict and, and gathering edict. And, and the, the, what's ultimately ironic here is that the same governors, the same mayors that have been so anti-law enforcement in this turbulent year are the same ones calling on the police to enforce their laws or their edicts or their their civil orders and putting officers in further danger, not only of the physical danger of, of uh, telling them to arrest people for these, in quote, infractions, unquote, but also in the eyes of the people it is diminishing what a police officer does and stands for. So the same political elitists who, uh, who have been calling for defunding or reforming or dismantling or disbanding or whatever term that they're, that they, that they're using um, are the same ones that are calling on this people that they're calling to defund and disband, etc., and want them to do their dirty work. So, uh, for me, I'm I'm happy to see that there have been a number of sheriffs and chiefs that said, you know what, we're not enforcing those 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 uh, demands that these governors and mayors are, are putting on them, um, because ultimately, when uh, when an officer when a police officer takes that oath, well, they're saying that they are going to uphold the Constitution of the United States. That's the number one, that's the, all the oaths are, are different where when a police officer swears uh, to to uphold the law. Every, every city's got a different one, state, they've all, you know, they're all pretty similar. But one thing that they all do have in common is that that oath is first and foremost to uphold the Constitution. That sacred document that this country is used as as its um, as its guiding star for hundreds of years. Well, if if law enforcement officers are being told to do something that they believe is unconstitutional, they not only have a right, they have a duty to say no. That takes courage because it takes risk. And this is um, this has become a, a new reality for law enforcement. So, well, I didn't want to get too involved in in the in the COVID issues, and uh, there there was definitely definitely a time that I had to. So we'll we'll talk about that. I know we were a little disappointed because we've had to push back the Brothers in Blue Bash for a few months because of the COVID insanity. Now, on October 17th, 
we are still going to have a virtual Brothers in Blue bash, kind of like a tease, and we're going to uh, raise some money. We're going to have some tremendous auction items. So uh, uh, stay listening to uh, this and go to the Facebook page, Brothers in Blue Bash Las Vegas, and get the information there. Now, March 27th, that is a Saturday night here in Las Vegas. The Brothers in Blue Bash, which is going to be the largest celebration of law enforcement, unity, and pride to benefit the Wounded Blue. It's going to be right here in Las Vegas. Got some tremendous, tremendous entertainment lined up for you. There's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a, an event to remember. Fantastic hotel room uh, prices at the Orleans. Just go to the Brothers in Blue Bash uh, Facebook page, and you can uh, make your um, make your reservations there. You can get a table, you can get seats, you can sponsor all kinds of things. Check it out. Facebook page, Brothers in Blue Bash, Las Vegas. I don't know about you, but if you love coffee, you're going to love Law Dog Coffee. Law Dog Coffee Company. Yes, indeedy. This is amazing coffee. It's been uh, in the family of uh, uh, brewers for 90 years, but this particular brand is is uh, created just for us. So if you love coffee, you're going to love Law Dog Coffee, especially because not only is it phenomenal coffee, it's, it's uh, uh, roasted in a, in a family-owned roasting company. It's been around for 90 years, and it is delicious, but it also goes to help the uh, the company, Law Dog Coffee Company, gives a percentage of its income to thewoundedblue.org. In fact, they sponsor the Canine Companion Program for the Wounded Blue. So go to lawdogcoffee.com. It gets delivered directly to your house. It is phenomenal, and it tastes so good, it ought to be illegal. Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. This is not a fight of Republican versus Democrat. It's not a fight of rich versus poor, old versus young, man versus woman, gay versus straight. It's not a fight of black lives, blue lives, Hispanic lives, or white lives. This is a battle of good versus evil. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Lots more happening. Now, why do I say that I think that 2021 is, uh, is going to be worse? Well, unfortunately, and, you know, like I said, I don't like to get involved in, in Dem versus Republican politics, but there's just no way around it. Um, because with, uh, with President Trump leaving office, law enforcement is losing an ardent supporter. Um, who after eight years of the Obama administration's literally waging war against the police and, and uh, um, having a, a very anti-law enforcement tenure, we got Donald Trump, who reversed a lot of the, the, the horrendous policies, 
that that he, that were put into place under under Obama. Well, Joe Biden is now going to be the president, and the first thing that he's talking about doing, uh, this is from a uh, Fox News report. President elect Joe Biden will use the Justice Department, Department of Justice, to crack down on police departments allegedly engaged in, quote, systemic misconduct, in part by the use of consent decrees, a tool used regularly by the Obama administration, but scrapped, largely scrapped under President Trump. Biden's campaign website promises that he will, quote, expand and use the power of the U.S. Justice Department to address systemic misconduct in police departments and prosecutors' offices, unquote. Now, let, let, me, say, let me tell you what that means in reality, okay? Um, it, 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 this article notes that the Obama administration used both, and I'm going to quote here, pattern and practice, unquote, investigations and consent decrees to address misconduct in places like Ferguson, Missouri. Um, now, here's here's the reality. It was it was determined in Ferguson that the police acted properly. They didn't do anything wrong, and yet, because of the politics, they found something wrong. They made something wrong, and so they they. They term it a pattern in practice. So they, they turn over the police department and they look at it and they, whatever, and, and it's, it's very subjective. You know, one, literally, one quote expert will say one thing, another quote expert will say another thing. But it's inevitable that if you get hit with a investigation by the DOJ, they're going to find you guilty. They're, and they're going to find a, a, a method of, um, using their power to, um, in, in essence, water down any law enforcement activities that are going to take place in that police department. That's what it's designed to do. So now, after, uh, after the Obama administration, I think they did something like 20 of these Whereas that was more than had been done in by any other president in the United States in total. Okay, so you still have police departments like Seattle, or excuse me, Portland, that are that are living and working under a consent decree, which costs millions and millions of dollars to the taxpayers. Well, in in essence, all it does is 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 create an environment that is so difficult to do any actual law enforcement. So now we have the incoming president, who of course was part of the Obama administration. Now we're going to have an Obama point two O, where, and of course, you know, one of the things that, that, uh, that Biden, uh, said during his campaign was every, everything was anti-law enforcement including some of the most ridiculous comments they've ever heard, like, well, the police should shoot him in the leg. Yeah, that's what they should do. I, I mean, I, I cringed when I, when I watched this. So now the, uh, the President of the United States is going to 
follow the, the new political norm, the social justice insanity that has gripped this nation for uh, months and months and months, um, causing widespread destruction in our cities, uh, an incredible rise in violent crime, and, uh, and is, is the new president going to do anything meaningful to, um, to uh, engage the, the criminals? No. Just the opposite. Going to feed into the frenzy, the frenzy of the anti-police protests. It's, it's sickening. And so that's why I say um, the activists, quote-unquote, that are, um, in essence, holding court and and getting their way wherever they feel like it because of the woke culture, um, we're going to see that uh, multiplied over, geez, I don't know how long. I mean, this is potentially devastating for law enforcement. Like I said, I wish I could bring better news when it comes down to my forecast for what this nation will be under a Biden-Harris administration. But it's not going to be good. That is absolutely no doubt. You know, and when we're talking about about the uh, destruction of the cities, about the, the crime rates being, you know, out of control, absolutely out of control, you, you, you can't, you can't open a newspaper or turn on a news story without realizing that something is very, very wrong here in America when it comes down to um, when it comes down to violent crime. Let me let me uh, address that. So um, there's a, if you look at if you look at the murder rate in some of America's major cities. It is absolutely out of control. Um, this is a, according to a, 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 another story, news story. Murder rates skyrocketed, even smashed records in major U.S. cities as a nation, as our nation grapples with surge in violent crime in 2020. Um, and it's, it's, it has some statistics that are, that are pretty, I mean, mind-boggling. In Kentucky, Louisville Metro Police recorded more murders this year than ever before by the agency. At least 177 people have been killed, uh, up 99% from the year before. Are you kidding me? Doubling, doubling. And that's just the murders. If you add the shootings onto that and the stabbings and the other violent attacks... It's it, it it's mind blowing. Now, do you think that there might be a correlation in the fact that uh, in in Kentucky and Louisville, there, the Breonna Taylor case took place, where um, riots riots engulfed the city because of of the um, accidental shooting of Breonna Taylor during a police raid when uh, 
the officers were fired upon. They returned fire, and Breonna Taylor, um, it was her boyfriend who was shooting at the cops. Uh, they were doing a search warrant there because uh, they were they were uh, looking for narcotics, and when they returned fire through the doorway that it was coming from, accidentally they hit Breonna Taylor. Well, the streets. I mean, major cities saw riots everywhere, but especially in Louisville. Now, the police were basically told to stand down, and policing there has come to almost a standstill because of the politics now. So, why is that? Why is that important to talk about? Well, because. Look at the results. Look, if you don't see that the murder rate has doubled, that the violent crime rate is is absolutely mind-boggling, and then realize that there is a correlation between the way that that uh, the police have been attacked and uh, and um, in essence told to stand down. If you don't see that, then you better get some new glasses or, or get a new life because it's pretty damn uh, transparent that, that this is that this is the cause. Then now let's 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 move on. Let's Milwaukee reported one of the biggest upticks in murders, um, almost doubling the number of homicides there. A record 192 people have been killed in that city. Um, compared to only 98 murders, if you can only say 98, the same year before. Now, there's another place where where riots have, have dramatically affected the, the citizenry, and law enforcement has been demeaned and attacked physically and sociologically and mentally, and uh, it's, 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 it's mind-numbing. So that's another one, Minneapolis. Um, an increase of 71% from the same time in 2019. Philadelphia has seen, reportedly seen, 490 murders this year. 490 murders. Seattle, 47 murders. That's 19 more than all of 2019. The highest homicide statistic for all years available. New York City. Murders have reached the highest point in just under a decade. This year's murder rate total is 41% more than those reported in 2019. Chicago, oh, Chicago, good Lord, is the, the murder capital of the country, uh, reported the highest numbers of murders of all major cities so far this year. Um, 762 people killed. Now, Chicago, it, you know, you, 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 one of the things we are always, always hearing, that you, you couldn't, you know, you, you couldn't turn off your radio and, 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 and any quicker because you were so sick of hearing the statistics about gun control. Everything is about gun control. We have to have gun control. We got to stop the guns, guns, guns. Chicago has the toughest gun laws in the country. 
that's not really had much of an effect now, has it? Because the laws don't mean anything if they aren't enforced. Enforced by the police, enforced by the district attorneys, enforced by the uh, federal law enforcement. If they don't enforce them, what good is having them? Add more laws onto what's already a, um, a, a criminal code that would sink a battleship, uh, you're, 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 you're peeing in the wind. Why? Why, why add more laws if you're not even using the laws you have? California, Los Angeles Police Department reported 7, 000, excuse me, 2,750 shots fired incidents and, and 1,226 shooting victims. That's a huge increase from 2019 when they only had 961. And then Portland, oh my God, Portland, the land of insanity, where, where the, the mayor has declared himself the, uh, the police commissioner and basically uh, controlled the actions of, of the cops there, allowing them to be besieged for month after month after month. Portland reported the highest surge so far in shootings. At least 850 shootings reported um, up 116%. Jesus, this is, how do you, how do you not understand if you are a mayor or a governor or a, or a lawmaker or if you're a citizen, that's, how do you not understand that you're being, your, your, your safety is in jeopardy, the safety of you, the safety of your family. If you live in one of these cities, your your rate of, of victimization is incredible. And we're still seeing people being voted into office that embrace this, that embrace the, the policies that allow this to happen. I mean, let's talk about Los Angeles for a moment because... What's going on there is, is mind-numbing. The people of Los Angeles, and I, I, I just, I, I'm speechless when I talk about this topic because I, I, don't, I don't even, I can't understand, I can't get my head around how, how dumb people have to be to put somebody into office that's going to endanger your life. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Well, that's what the people of Los Angeles did in the last election. They voted for a district attorney. District attorney is the highest law enforcement official in the county. And L.A. is the biggest, most populous county in the country. They elected George Gascon as their district attorney. And George Gascon is basically very transparent in his in his beliefs and philosophy that don't punish anybody for committing crimes. It is, it's, it's mind-numbing. George Gascon just took office, like just a couple weeks ago, and already he has made edicts that are not only um, absolutely irresponsible, he's actually issuing orders that are illegal to his district attorneys. Now, here's something kind of interesting about L.A. 
So when a district attorney is elected or a prosecutor is elected or appointed, they pretty much have a great deal of power in choosing their staffs, right? They can basically all assistant district attorneys and prosecutors serve at the, at the whim of the prosecutor. Um, some have protections, and L.A. is one of those that actually has a, a union to protect its district attorneys. And this organization, the, the, the people who are actually doing the prosecutions, right, the working lawyers who prosecute criminals are literally at war right now as we speak with their district attorney, George Gascon. Why? Because they know the realities of prosecuting. George Gascon has brought his political and ideological insanity into the office. First thing he did when he, when he took office was he decreed no more death penalty cases. So no matter what, no matter how heinous this crime could be, no matter what the, a, a murderer did to his innocent victims, he'll no longer have to face the death penalty in L.A. County. Just think of that just one thing. But he didn't stop there. Oh, no, 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 no. He also decreed, and that's the only word that I can use here, he also decreed that there will be no more prosecutions as adults of anybody under 18. Now, that may sound like, well, I mean, isn't that reasonable? No, it's not reasonable. Here's why. Because some of the most violent offenders are gang-related offenders in L.A. and many other places as well, of course. But these, these offenders are are capable of doing some of the most unspeakable acts that you can imagine. And they are very conscious and aware of what they are doing. So if, if you could only try a 17-year-old uh, a who commits a terrible, brutal killing as a juvenile, if you can only treat them as a juvenile, well, it's very possible that They'll get a year in jail and then be released when they're adults. Or they'll get a sentence which is not commensurate with the crime that they're doing. And that's, that's one of the first things that he decreed when he took office. But he doesn't stop there. He, re, re, remember now, much to, much to uh, um, against the the normal thinking and the and the those who have who have advocated for short sentences for criminal offenders because people are of are getting locked up in, into prisons for nothing it, you got to you got to fight your way into prison these days you have to have a a a record that is very significant um before you'll get sentenced to a, to a, a lengthy jail term so you know they're not putting they're not putting um, guys who are smoking marijuana into prison. It's not. It doesn't happen. 
You know, maybe it happened years and years and years ago, but it sure as hell isn't happening now. But the the way you the the way a prosecutor and a judge have to look at uh, each of these unique criminals is a you know what the crime was, but b what kind of criminal behavior is this guy shown in the past, and how does it relate to the other the other uh, uh, disposition of the charges against him. So let me give you an example. Um, a guy commits an armed robbery, all right? Goes in with a gun, knocks over a jewelry store, um, hits uh, hits the the clerk with the barrel of the gun, and uh, and then escapes. Okay, he gets apprehended. It's the first time he's ever done anything like that. You know, he maybe has some minor, you know, drug possession or some stuff, um, but no, no major convictions. So a judge looks at that crime, and then looks at the elements that a that uh, surround it. For instance, if if the if the if the suspect had a gun, that's called an enhancement charge. So he would be charged with robbery, robbery with use of a deadly weapon. Now, why the added? Because a robbery that is a strong arm robbery means no weapon involved is less dangerous. It's less violent. But you walk into a place with a gun and you hit somebody in the head and you take their money and you threaten to kill them. Well, that's a very significant charge, right? So that that's an added in, enhancement statute they call it. So if if I if I might serve three years for a, a robbery without a weapon, you're going to get an additional sentence, I believe it's five years with the weapon. So it's used to deter crime. Because if you know that you, if you use a gun in the commission of a crime, you're going to be punished for it accordingly, then you're allegedly less likely. Well, Gascon has removed all of those possibilities. At least he's trying to. He's saying, okay, you know what? It doesn't matter if the guy committed three armed robberies before and went and served three prison sentences. He's not going to. She's not going to count that against the 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 robber. So he's going to treat a first time offender like a, like a career criminal. Well, that's that's ludicrous. It's it's ridiculous. But this is what he has ordered his prosecutors to do. Well, that is something that the district attorneys that are in that office said, you know what, uh, that's illegal. That You don't have the authority to, um, to order me to do this or not do that when it comes down to what is written into the statutes. So basically, Gascon, and i got to tell you, watching him makes you want to just punch the television set because... His arrogance and elitism drips off him like like water. It is, it is, it is. He's one of the most dislikable fellows I've ever seen. Now, he was also the district attorney up in San Francisco, if that tells you anything. So he screwed that all up there. I mean, San Francisco is now, you know, you can do anything. Everything is legal there because of him and 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 his. Uh, uh, successor, or J Chesa Bowden, who is the district attorney up there, two peas in a pod, two peas in a pod. Um, 
So Gascone has taken away the death penalty, taken away the prosecution of very violent uh, certain juveniles as adults. He's taken away the enhancement statutes when it comes down to sentencing. He's taken away the prosecutors um, who actually prosecute the case. He's taking away from them the ability to send real bad guys to real bad guy prison. And what's the purpose? Why would you do that? Why would you, as the district attorney, the highest law enforcement official in the county, why would you make a, 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 an effort to, in essence, not hold accountable violent, violent criminals? Oh, by the way, you also got rid of bail. Yeah, that's another one. Because we see how well that's working in New York, right? We're seeing, we're seeing how well that revolving door is doing in New York. So now that's the same thing in L.A. So he's using, or in my opinion, misusing his public power for his own political agenda. And this is classic corruption, because what is corruption? It's the misuse of public power for private benefit. In Gascon's case, it is political ideology, is his private benefit. And so um, there is now civil war within that, within that, um, that office. And it, this is going to be very interesting to watch, to see how it plays out. Because if the district attorneys who actually work in that office continue to fight him, and including legal battles and, and uh, lawsuits, um, then what has been whispered about as far as um, uh, taking that election and doing a recall about George Gascone, if that takes place, that's going to play a, a, a big role in the way that, um, that other, that other Soros, George Soros funded prosecutors get put into office. Now, the other disturbing aspect of this is George Gascone is not alone. There is a whole slew of activist prosecutors that are more involved politically um, with, with the woke movement and the social justice warriors, quote unquote, who, uh, who, who fancy themselves as, uh, as uh, guardians of the civil rights of, of criminals. Um, it's, it's shocking how many are being elected to these positions and all because of huge amounts of money being for, uh, um, put in, into their campaigns by George Soros and his minions. It's really, um, it's really having a major effect on law enforcement across this country. So, you know, here's the, here's the other, other side of this equation. Who's, who's suffering? Who is really suffering here in L.A. where the crime is, is out of control? It's the people who are in the most vulnerable positions. People in, in, in communities of color who are absorbing this violence and now having a district attorney 
not hold anybody accountable, which includes um, uh, these violent, violent criminals who are preying on the same people that these, quote, social justice warriors, unquote, are, are pretending to be concerned about. The hypocrisy is, is unbelievable. So this is what we're seeing across America. We're seeing district attorneys being elected. I call them Trojan horses. Because remember that this whole social justice insanity has as its goal to dismantle the criminal justice system of America. This is, this is a, a, a page right out of the playbook of the socialist um, uh, organizations that want to overthrow America. And this, listen, I'm not I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not a, I'm not a guy that that you know just wants to fill your head with nonsense, ultra right nonsense. Because I'm 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 not some right wing crazy guy. I am simply a a, a a a person who spent his entire adult life in law enforcement, has seen the victims, has seen the devastation that violent crime does to people, to families, and cares about them. And I also know that most of the police officers that I know, and I know thousands of them, are motivated to be a police officer because they believe that by doing so, they can safeguard people in their community. So when, 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 you, when you have uh, a, a, a George Gascon or um, uh, a uh, um, individual like uh, the the, dis the district attorney in in Portland or in um, San Francisco, you have people who are allowing politics and ideology to destroy the justice system from within. That's why I call them Trojan horses because in essence. That's exactly what they are. And, and unfortunately, we're seeing um, more and more of these district attorneys and prosecutors being put into, into office because of the huge amounts of money being donated to them by people that, that do not have the, um, that do not have the welfare of this country um, in, in, their, in their hearts and minds. So um, when I say that, that policing is going to be facing even more and more challenges in 2021, it's because of the, the political atmosphere. It's because of the ideology of many people that um, are being put into positions to, um, to quite literally dismantle um, these, these criminal justice um, uh, laws and policies that have been in effect to try and curtail crime. And at the same time, we're seeing crime absolutely um, uh, engorge itself on the victims who are being placed before them. Um, and, and nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about the victims here. No one's talking about the violence 
that is that is that is devastating these communities most of the communities of color who by the way like their police and want more of them but nobody's listening to them because the woke politicians decided that they know better they know more and they're going to they're going to do it their way and and the hell with the body count the hell with the violence the hell with the victims the hell with the police the hell with the people who are going to be suffering as a result. So, my friends, that is my that is my rant for the end of the year. Um, I I wish you a very very safe and happy New Year, safe from not only crime but safe from the the the, the devastation of the pandemic, and I wish you. Lots of love and compassion and empathy uh, for the coming year. Now, um, before we say goodbye, once again, I want to remind you about the Wounded Blue. Check out thewoundedblue.org. Um, we're going to we're going to make this this house that I told you about earlier safe and comfortable for this man who has been treated so badly by the criminal justice system as a police officer. Um, and and by the bureaucracy um, that, uh, that that controlled the purse strings, if you can help, help. If you just want to give us some some uh, kind words, my email is randy at thewoundedblue.org. Randy at thewoundedblue.org. I look forward to hearing from you, and you can find me on Facebook at the Voice of American Law Enforcement, on Twitter at lt randy sutton. And uh, we'll see you next year. As we close out the year of 2020, here on Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, we have a tradition of memorializing those men and women of the law enforcement profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. This year, 2020, has been an unspeakable year for law enforcement when it comes to the number of deaths. As this year comes to a close, we have received a total of 301 police officers who have given their lives in the line of duty. Many of those have been related to the COVID pandemic. Last year, there was 148, so we are more than double the number of officers killed in the line of duty who have sacrificed so much for their communities and their country. This year has been very difficult for law enforcement. I have a number of names to read. Those who died um, in the last couple of weeks, all from COVID-related deaths. First is Lieutenant Russell Freeman, Rhode Island Department of Corrections, end of watch Monday, December 14th. Police Officer Jason Nicholas Shuping, who died on December 16th as a result of gunfire. He was killed in Concord, uh, North Carolina. Sheriff Benny N. Napoleon, 
Wayne County Sheriff's Office, Michigan. End of watch Thursday, December 17th. COVID. Officer Andrew Raymond Bouchard, United States Department of Homeland Security. End of watch Saturday, December 19th. Cause COVID. Lieutenant Craig L. King, Tarrant County Sheriff's Office, Texas. End of watch December 19th, 2020. COVID. Police Officer Christopher Lynn Elder, Milford Police Department, Texas. End of watch December 20th. COVID. Sergeant David Lynn Schmidt, Siegelville Police Department, Texas. End of watch Wednesday, December 23rd. Cause COVID. Security Control Specialist Jerry William Jones, Tarrant County Sheriff's Office. End of watch Wednesday, December 23rd. COVID. Corrections Officer 5, Philip Holbert, Texas Department of Criminal Justice. End of watch Sunday, December 27, 2020. COVID. Corrections Officer 5, Joe Landon, Texas Department of Criminal Justice. End of watch Monday, December 28, 2020. Cause COVID. Each of these officers gave their lives serving their communities, their cities, and their country. May they rest in peace. Thanks for joining me this uh, episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement here on the America Out Loud Network. I hope you enjoyed. As we do every week, we talk about the things that affect law enforcement officers around the country. One thing I would ask of you is check out the website for thewoundedblue.org. This is the National Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. And if you love coffee, lawdogcoffee.com. Tastes so good, ought to be illegal. We'll see you again next episode. Thanks again. Randy Sutton, signing off.